You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. They call her Lady Death. Welcome, 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 friend. I'm TK, your tour guide to the past, and you are listening to For the Love of History, the podcast where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history. Welcome to our second to last episode of season two. It's gone by very fast, but also very slow at the same time, which is weird how time works. (laughs) So I had originally planned another topic for this episode, but in light of recent events, I thought it would be more fitting to talk about a Ukrainian woman today. I am not a political expert, nor am I always up to date on current events, but I wanted to show solidarity and support for the Ukrainian people in the small way that I can. But you know what? Even small acts are important because small acts make up big things. And like it says in one of my favorite books, Cloud Atlas, what is an ocean but a multitude of drops? So this is my drop in the ocean of the support for the Ukrainian people. So who are we going to talk about? We will be discussing none other than the sharp shooting historian by the name of Ludmila Pavlichenko. So grab your snack or settle into that pile of laundry that you're folding as you listen to my voice and let's get to it. On July 12, 1916, a little girl was born in the Kiev government what is now known as Kiev Blast, Ukraine. This was just two years after the First World War ended. And just to give you a little bit of an idea of where we are in history, Ukraine was not yet an independent country at the time and was still a part of the Soviet Union. They wouldn't get their independence until 1991. Ludmilla was a self-proclaimed tomboy, always competing to prove that she could do anything a boy could do, if not better. She would not allow herself to be bested by anybody, let alone a boy. Once a neighbor was taunting her about being a super good sharpshooter, he was just being like a real jerk, and this really got under her skin. So Ludmilla decided that she was just going to shut this kid up by joining a shooting club and practicing super duper hard until she was indeed much better than him, which would turn out to be a life-changing event, but more on that later. Ludmilla lived a very ordinary life with her parents and siblings, going to school, spending time with friends, and playing sports all the while continuing her shooting practice. After graduating high school, Ludmilla decided she wanted to teach history, a girl after my own heart. (laughs) I love her. I love her so much. And I feel like that aspect of her life is not highlighted enough in other articles and books that I was reading. So I really want you to know that she was going to school to be a history teacher. Ludmilla was 24 years old and she was just cruising along, loving school, doing great. And she was in her fourth year at Kiev University. She was almost done with her degree when the war broke out. And her dream of being a teacher was set aside for the foreseeable future. Ludmilla was a freaking 
Spitfire, and was among the first round of volunteers requesting to be part of the Red Army, the Soviet Union's army. When she went, the recruiting officer was like, sure, young lady, come on in here. We're in dire need of some nurses. But Ludi was like, no, nurses are important, but I've been practicing shooting for like ever, so I want to be a sniper. I'm really freaking good. And by the way, I like to call Ludmilla Ludi. Uh, when I do research on specific people, I give them nicknames and I like talk to them in my head to help me remember their stories better. <laughs> so throughout the episode, I will be going between Ludmilla and Ludi, just so you know. So there's a little behind the scenes action for you. Anyways, I digress. Recruiting dude bro was not having this at all, but he had never met Ludi before. She was not going to back down. And she handed the recruiter all of the licenses and training certificates and things that she had gotten over the years while she had been practicing her shooting. And finally, they were like, okay, fine, you can join. And she was put in the Red Army's 25th Rifle Division where she became one of 2,000 female snipers. So yay, she's in the army. We're excited. Smooth sailing from here on out, right, TK? Wrong. Wrong, dear one. So, so wrong. Even though she was technically a a sliper, she was a sliper, she was technically a sniper, no one gave her a gun. She was given a freaking freaking grenade because they didn't have enough guns. And it was just her and her grenades for a while. That was until August 8th, 1941, when one of her comrades was wounded. He no longer had a need for his gun, so he gave it to Ludi. And if I could just pause for a moment and ask the universe why we know the specific date where she got a gun for the f- for the first time in the war, like, why why do we know this? Because I could not, for the life of me, find out why we knew, or we know, the specific date. But anyways, I will digress. Oh, hello. This is editing TK. I found out why we know, and I feel very silly. (laughs) Because it was the first day of the siege of Odessa, the battle that I'm about to, I'm about to tell you about right now. So, uh, I feel very silly. It was really bothering me, so I decided to look it up again, and um, I found the answer. So, there's the answer. Okay, bye. So, Ludi's fallen comrade handed her his rifle and was like, have it. And have it she did. She shot her first two Nazis on that day and proved herself to the rest of the snipers. During the siege of Odessa, when the Nazis were trying to take over the city of Odessa, Ludi recorded 187 confirmed kills by the end of the eight-day siege. Ludmilla would go on to have an incredible career, getting promotion after promotion, training other snipers, and going into more battles. By 1942, she had 309 confirmed kills, 36 of them being Axis snipers, making her the most prolific woman sniper in recorded history. This had earned her the nickname Lady Death among not only the Red Army, but the whole of the Allied forces. Her reputation was almost mythical, and the Soviet Union saw in her an opportunity. In June of 1942, Ludi was hit in the face with a mortar explosion and was immediately pulled off the front line by Red Army higher-ups. She was too important to lose, and the Soviet high command knew it. The Nazis 
were kicking the Soviet Union's arses. Joseph Stalin was like, WTF am I supposed to do right now? People are not down with the war like I thought they were gonna be. We really need the US and Canada over here as like a second front, please. Uh, we need to do something to rally the people behind the Soviet Union and get some help here. Some moral boosting shenanigans. And wouldn't you know it, the Red Army higher ups were like, Stalin, Joseph, Joey, Joe, Jojo, we have got the person for you. Her name is Ludmilla, and people call her Lady Death. Jojo was like, um, hell yeah, let me call up Frankie D, aka Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and see if we can send her over to the US and drum up some support. So Jojo calls up Frankie D, and he's like, hey, can I send over the sniper to like talk to your people about the war and get some support and whatnot? And Frankie was like, uh, sure, no biggie, send him over. And Jojo was like, no, 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 Frank, Frankie, Frankie, no, it's a lady. And Franklin Denelano, <laughs> Frankie D was like, le gasp, double send her over, we're very excited. So in late 1942, Ludmilla went to D.C. and became the first person from the Soviet Union that was not a political figure to be welcomed into the White House, which is super neat. When she got there, she was greeted by Frankie D.'s wife, First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. Ludi and Eleanor got to chatting and they became instant BFFs. Eleanor was a huge feminist and a human rights activist, and loved all of the things that Ludi was saying about being a young woman on the front lines. Eleanor was convinced that she could take Ludmilla on a campaign slash speaking tour around the U.S., just like I'm sure the Soviet Union was hoping slash planned, in order to rally the U.S. and thus Congress to get the military over to Europe to create a second front line to help the Red Army. So off they went on tour. They were both super stoked. They were like, yeah, we're going to go talk to people, drum up support, show them that women are badasses and can do anything women, women can do anything men can do and better. But that is not what happened at first. The reporters had no interest in what Ludmilla had to say. They only cared about what she looked like. And boy, howdy, dear one. The amount of times I wanted to throw my computer across the room while I was reading what some of these reporters wrote, whew, the number, the limit does not exist, okay? So many times did I want to throw my computer, so prepare yourself for what I'm about to say. Some of the first questions the reporters asked after Ludi poured out her heart her harrowing story of surviving a three-day shootout battle with another sniper were the following. These were the questions. Number one, why is your uniform skirt so long? You look frumpy. Number two, that uniform is really unflattering. You look fat. Can you change it? Number three, why are you not wearing blush? Are you not allowed to wear makeup on the front line? And to that one, Ludi had a really good clap back, and she said, uh, excuse me, who had time to think about their shiny nose when there was a battle going on? And to that, I say, snaps to you, girl. Snaps. The dumb AF questions continued for weeks. 
and Ludi had finally had enough. During a support rally in Chicago, after being asked stupid question after stupid question, she finally was able to find her voice. Ludmilla said, Gentlemen, I am 25 years old, and I have killed 309 fascist occupants by now. Don't you think, gentlemen, that you have been hiding behind my back for too long? The crowd lost their ever-loving minds. From that point on, and for the rest of the trip, the American people were all about Ludmilla. During the trip, Ludi and Eleanor would become BFFs and had a glorious time together. Ludmilla's trip to the U.S. was so successful that she was then sent to Canada and the U.K. to do the same thing. Even after Ludi left and Eleanor remained in the U.S., they were still best friends. Despite Ludmilla and Eleanor's efforts, they would have to wait for a second line to form in Europe for another two years. Ludi would never return to battle, but went on to train hundreds of snipers. When the war ended, she received dozens of awards and accolades. She was the famous Lady of Death and a hero of the war. But that was all behind her. What Ludmilla really wanted to do was go back to school. And so she went, finally earning her degree and becoming a historian and teacher. Fifteen years after World War II, during the Cold War, Eleanor Roosevelt was sent to Moscow to show the people that, hey, things aren't that bad between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, but tensions were incredibly high. And she requested to visit her friend, Ludmilla, but it was rejected over and over and over again. Until finally, she put her big old former first lady foot down and was like, listen, I am going to see my friend and you're going to take me now. Cold war or no cold, cold war. I'm going to see Ludi. And finally, they were like, okay, all right, okay, let's go. But an attendant has to be with you guys at all time to make sure that you don't talk about any anything that you shouldn't be talking about. But do you really think an attendant could stop these two ladies? Nope. They somehow snuck away from their handlers during the Cold War to sit and reminisce about their whirlwind adventure. These two historic titans, these women who saved millions of lives by drumming up support for a second front line in Europe, which helped the Allied powers win the war, saving so many people's lives. The image of them just chatting the day away is just so wholesome and gives me the warm fuzzies. Because at the end of the day, they're two best friends that just wanted to see each other and talk about a really fun summer that they had. This would be the last time Eleanor and Ludmilla saw each other. Like many soldiers do, Ludi suffered from PTSD and depression, but she continued teaching history as long as she could. On October 10, 1974, Ludmilla Pavlichenko passed away in her son's arms after suffering from a stroke. She is still remembered today as the most successful female sniper in history. 
the lady of death and the sniper who helped win World War II. And I will leave you with the song Miss Pavlichenko by Woody Guthrie. Miss Pavlichenko's well known to fame. Russia's your country. Fighting is your game. The whole world will always love you for all time to come. 300 Nazis fell by your gun. Oh dear one, this episode was a heavy one. War and fighting are not my favorite topics to talk about, but I thought this story was really important in particular. And maybe not for the reason that you think. Not all of us are going to go on grand speaking tours or kill 309 Nazis in a big old war. But we do do things every day. Some small acts, some bigger acts. Like I said, what is an ocean but a multitude of drops? And it can be really hard even just to do those small drops. And it kind of makes me feel better knowing that even a prolific sniper like Ludmilla had a difficult time finding her voice against sexist asshole journalists. And eventually she did find her voice and so will you. And that's the message I want you to leave here with today. That even if you can't find your voice today, you will eventually find it and that's okay. And I also want to tell you a very funny story about Ludmilla and the Nazis. So, Ludi was not only famous among the Allied forces, but also among the Axis army as well, particularly Germany. So she became famous and they started broadcasting messages specifically to her, trying to bribe her to join <laughs> their side, saying things like, Ludmilla Pavlichenko, come over to us. We'll give you plenty of chocolate and make you a German officer. <laughs> Woo. Chocolate to betray my entire country and people? Sounds like a sweet deal. Obviously, it did not work. And the Nazis were getting desperate and quickly stopped trying to get her to join them and instead resorted to threatening her, broadcasting over the battlefield, saying things like, if we catch you, we will tear you into 309 pieces and scatter them to the winds. But you know what? Ludi was not phased. The only thing she had to say about this was, I'm glad they got my record correct. Well, my friends, that is all she wrote. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is our second to last episode of the season. I have learned so much from uploading every week, and I plan to make a lot of changes in season three, so I'm very excited about that. If you'd like to continue to support the podcast, please recommend For the Love of History to a friend or share an episode on your social media. If you got something out of today's episode, consider leaving a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can find links to Patreon and Good Pods in the show notes. All proceeds go to making the podcast the best it can be for you. And with that, I bid you adieu, my delicious little donut. Don't forget to do something fun for yourself. Drink your water and be kind to yourself this week. It's okay if it's taking you time to find your voice. It's okay. 
And I will see you next week for our season finale. Okay, bye. Why is there a metronome right now? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>